but having that guy through his prime years for $20 million a season, that's good business. Wow, I remembered a free agent signing without looking something up. <laughs> Do I have a fever? <laughs> <laughs> Like we keep seeing things like, oh, uh, you know, Miami is going to want Kirk because they don't have a catcher. And then Craig Mish, their Marlins supporters, like, yeah, they haven't talked about Kirk at all. And welcome to episode number 224 of Artificial Turf Wars. We'd just like to, uh, to just say a word to all of the, the rejected um, qualifying offers out there that you know what? If you come around here, we will accept you with open arms and you can you can come to our bank account and you can live there forever because that's that's the kind of people we are. We have heart. Uh, I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the effervescent Joshua House. And Josh, how you doing? <laughs> You've called me that one before. Have I'm I? good. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe I really think you're you're bubbly. Um, <laughs> did you get a qualifying offer this year? I wish. Yeah, exactly. But but and yet there's only one of them was accepted. I feel bad for the, the qualifying offers. Um this uh this is not all about qualifying offers. This this first off is about Robbie Ray and the news that we all knew was coming but we are going to celebrate anyway. Uh it's mostly about Jose Barrios uh because he's going to be around for a very long time in a Blue Jay uniform. Uh this I guess means that the off season is beginning to take shape, even though the lockout loomis. And uh, and we're going to talk about wh- what kind of shape the off season might take, and whether that's a good or a bad thing for the Blue Jays. We of course have your questions about these sorts of things uh, and uh, and all manner of other things, Blue Jays. That should get us rolling, and and roll on we will. Robbie Ray, American League Cy Young Award winner. I cannot imagine the odds were particularly long in Vegas in that happening. Yeah. Well, it depends on when you ask them. Ah, uh, yes, yes. No, no. I mean, I mean, between between the end of the, the end of the season, the and, season now? and now. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about this because we've talked at length about Robbie Ray on our season end podcast, and yeah, he was the clear and by voting, obviously deserving Cy Young Award winner in the American League. And he won, got 29 out of 30 first place votes. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's always going to be some some discrepancies. It's not it's not like Garrett Cole was, had a, anything other than a stellar season. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it was totally defensible to vote for Cole, but just, you know, only one person did. Yeah. So, awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, all the usual statistics, first Blue Jays Award winner since uh, Halliday in 2003, I believe the fifth time a Blue Jays won the Cy Young. Uh, yeah, very, very cool. So uh, congratulations to Robbie Ray. Uh, absolutely thrilled to have a Cy Young Award winner uh, in a Blue Jay uniform, uh, no matter how tight his pants might be. Um, <laughs> yeah. So really cool. uh, fourth I, one the Jays have ever had. Henkin was the first, Clemens won two, and then uh, Halliday won one. It must have seemed really weird when they went, like the three years in a row that they won, I was like, well, obviously Blue Jays just win Cy Young Awards. And then, yeah. <laughs> oh. It was no. something else. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to fathom that, like winning the Cy Young Award three years in a row and never making or even sniffing the postseason. <laughs> yeah, I think we have a question about about um, not making the playoffs and, and awards uh, coming up. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back to that. 
Uh, Jose Barrios is bigger news in uh, Blue Jay land than Robbie Ray. Because Robbie Ray, technically, is is he technically still a Blue Jay? No, he's not. So, yeah, there you go. But Jose Barrios is and will be for uh, the next um, is it, uh, seven seasons, including, I mean, one of those seasons he was already going to be a Blue Jay regardless um, because they had him under control. But uh, six additional seasons of potential Blue Jayness for him. For $131 million, did I get that right? Yeah, so it's a, it's a seven-year deal for $131 million, which basically works out to $120 million six-year extension on what he would have made in arbitration this year because he's projected for around eleven. Um, there are There is an opt-out after the fifth year, and there are escalators in the deal based on innings and games that and award voting that can raise the value by a total of $10 million if he stays for the whole seven years. Um, so... Uh, Jose Barrios came over. Uh, he was very, very good. I, I don't think anything about the way he pitches is spectacular. He's not going to blow you away like Robbie Ray does with the strikeouts or or wow you with, you know, the, the stellar changeup that um, Hyunjin Ryu does when he's on. Uh, but he's certainly uh, a great target, like a great guy to have in the uniform, if, if only for the fact that he's 27 and has been relatively consistent and injury-free for his whole career. So, I mean, that alone has value, but I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more uh, value where Barrios is concerned. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you just look at the raw numbers with Barrios, he's over a strikeout per inning, and his walks have traditionally been very low, and they were even they were the lowest of his career after joining the Blue Jays. You know, it's, it's that, Thank you, uh, Pete Walker. That Pete Walker thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, I, I mean, you mentioned never getting hurt, but... One of the big things about Barrios, in addition to his health, is his general in-season durability, in-game durability. He's cleared 190 innings three times. And he's only going to be 27 at the start of next season. He turns 28 in May, I believe. Yeah, at the end of May, he'll turn 28. So this is going to be covering his age 28 to 34 seasons which is the prime of his career, essentially, and maybe the you know, slight declining phase if he doesn't opt out. But we're talking about a guy who goes deep in games, who pitches at a better-than-league average rate considerably. He's not like he's not going to pitch like an ace. He's like It's very unlikely he's going to have a Robbie Ray season, for example. But it's also very unlikely he's going to have other Robbie Ray seasons. <laughs> <laughs> on the one hand, he's not like Robbie Ray. And on the other hand, he's not like Robbie Ray. <laughs> yeah. He's remarkably consistent as a really solid number two starter, which is what we talked about when he was traded for. And that's what he was after the, the, after coming to the Blue Jays. But having that guy through his prime years for $20 million a season, that's good business that's that's really helps the team going forward knowing that they've got this locked in yeah i think it i i guess you know obviously i think it's a good thing but what what comes to mind is uh a the fact that this is an extension deal so you didn't have to um go into a bidding war with anyone else to get this this deal so it didn't have the you know that opportunity to get off the rails so i think that is a smart business decision but also it it's been a long time since the Blue Jays have had a player in a position who was willing to look at that extension. I think Jose Bautista, as much as I was joking around that it's the, the first time they've you know extended a Jose, Jose since Bautista, um, 
since Batista, I think it's the first time that they've been able to get into that position with a player sort of still in their prime, willing to look at an extension and not jump to free agency. Yeah, Edwin was a similar thing. He was, but not on the same year level as what we're talking about, Batista and Barrios. And going back to Vernon Wells, I think it says a lot. And especially because with Barrios, he had constantly said he wanted to test free agency publicly and apparently privately to the twins, that it was something he was working towards at all players. They put in all this work and then it's something they can see on the horizon and they want to do it. They want to be able to pick who they want to play for. He picked the Blue Jays. I mean, just, that's, yeah, I'm not used to the team being in this position. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, so people can say, well, Springer did it last year. Uh, that's true. And that's awesome. Springer had two real suitors at the, at the dollar figure that he was going to con- command. There was two. It was the Jays and the Mets. <laughs> ah, the Mets. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but Barrios would have been probably the number one free agent pitcher on next year's market. And everybody knew it. And there was no idea that, that he would have to lock in his salary because he was worried about getting hurt. He's never been hurt. And he thought, you know what? I was here for two months and this is where I want to be. And that says something not just to the fan base, but I think it says something to other players. I, I So often players who are on their way out into free agency don't like to slam the door on the team that they're leaving. And I, this is me pivoting to Marcus Semyon already, which is, <laughs> you might be like, that's premature. But I, I am, I, I'm interested because usually when a, a free agent is leaving a team as a veteran, um, the team is in flux or on its way down. At least the Blue Jays trajectory has been on its way down. But that is for once not the case. They have uh, a couple of genuine stars locked in in Springer and Ryu. And they have a ton of young talent compared to any other time that I've been watching the Blue Jays save for maybe 91, 92, that era. So I, I think there may actually be something real to Marcus Semien saying, hey, I, I saw some potential in this team and that's why it's still on my list. The same with Robbie Ray. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, they make the rounds and we laugh at their PR abilities sometimes. <laughs> but I can't tell thing... them apart. <laughs> I still can't. <laughs> well, they, they actually talk very differently. But anyway, <laughs> one thing that they both habitually said is that one thing that will sell people on coming to Toronto or coming to any free agent market is winning and the team and players knowing that they can go to a city and be competitive. And that was a big problem for the Jays trying to woo free agents in the past because you know, the Jays have had a lot of mediocrity over the last 25 years, but here they are. They came off a 91 win season and Barrios is like, yeah, I, I want to, be part of this thing to take this to the next level. And that's going to be the pitch for free agents going forward. So, um, who are, who are those free agents, uh, in terms of, or, or rather how do the Blue Jays approach free agents now? I think is the way you want me to frame that question for the rest of the off season. Now that yeah, so- you've got this, this first piece where it is. Yeah. So one of the interesting things about the Barrios deal is that 
it allows them to be a lot more flexible with the type of pitchers that they target. By knowing that he was going to stick around, they could then go after Noah Syndergaard and Justin Verlander. Both They missed out on both of them. They, they apparently made real offers to both of them. But if you don't have Jose Barrios, you can't spend that kind of money on those two guys because they're not going to be around for a long time. And then you're just going to have to go do this again next year trying to get a top of the rotation guy and replacing Barrios at the same time. So this way, now they have a choice. They can go and they can try to go for the Robbie Rays and Kevin Gaussmans and of the world, which are going to command five, four years, whatever. Or play in this pool where they're trying to get the older guy or the coming off injured guy with the talent like Scherzer or he's the only one left, but Verlander or Syndergaard. So that's just one of the interesting things about this deal. It allows them to do various things in the long and short term that they couldn't do if he said, I'm going to free agency. Yeah. So, you know, that, that leaves a very long list of free agents. Um, I don't know how deeply we can get into those because we don't, I mean, we have no knowledge <laughs> on terms of the, the insider. But I, the one thing I want to touch on is there's, as I think everybody knows, there's a ton of shortstops out there. Mm -hmm. They can't all be signed by, uh, you know, one team. Because they, 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 they're all going to get spread around somewhere. What are the odds now? Also, the Blue Jays have a shortstop, so we need to talk about that. But what are the odds that one of those good to great shortstops ends up in a Blue Jay uniform in your mind? So there's five. Let's just name them. Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, Javier Baez, and Trevor Story. Those are the five. Right. I don't think the odds are very good, to be honest. I mean, this is an interesting thing about this free agency. The Jays have all this money to spend. We, you know, we've heard various reports that the payroll is going to go up to around $180 million range from multiple sources. It's only at 113 right now, which is a lot of money between those two numbers. But the Yankees are apparently, there's a story that they're not going to bid for one of those. Okay, fine. But Seattle wants one. Houston wants one. The Giants probably want one. Texas wants one. Detroit wants one. San Francisco wants one. St. Louis wants one. Philadelphia. I mean... There's a bunch of teams that are willing to spend money that want to upgrade in the middle infield, or in Seattle's case, also at third base, like the Blue Jays. They're second or third, so they want Semyon and Bryant. But, you know, there's six guys, if you include Bryant, because the Jays don't need a shortstop, and 10 teams with money that want to spend on them. And the Jays are in a better position than some of those teams, but not all of them. And that, I mean, they could just be left out. And the same thing goes with those pitchers, Ray Gosman, Scherzer. It's possible that they could just be one of the people not on the end. Even if they try to spend all the money, some team could just be in a better circuit, a uh, better location, like for Semyon, for example, or just spend all the money as well. And who knows what it comes down to. So it's kind of an interesting thing where the Jays could theoretically get none of these top guys. I think it is a slight wrinkle in that it you know, there are situations in which you could get one of those guys and tell him, hey, you're playing third base, and it would be okay because you would end up with a fantastic third baseman and, and leave Bobochet at, at shortstop. Uh, and then there's other situations which are slightly more difficult where you're you're telling the guy, yes, we're going to sign you to play shortstop, and then does Bobochet play at second base? We don't actually know that, I don't, I don't think. Well, it sounds like that's not something they're considering based on Atkins' conversation, saying that Bichette is the shortstop. 
So, stop. yeah, I mean, if Bichette is the shortstop, that might take one or two of those guys out of the equation right off off the bat if they really want to yep. play shortstop. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, that limits that limits things right there. Again, I don't think Marcus Semien, um I think if he had not already played second base for the Blue Jays, I wouldn't think he'd consider an, a, for one moment playing second base for the Blue Jays on a, on yeah. a long-term deal. And you think of a guy like Corey Seager, right? Like statistically, he probably shouldn't be a shortstop, but he's a 27-year-old. He probably thinks I should be a shortstop for a long time. Same with Carlos Correa. Baez has moved around, so he's a little different. But Trevor Story, he's not going to want to move off shortstop. He's a great shortstop. So, yeah, it really limits them. And and then same thing with these pitchers, right? Like a thousand, every team wants. Well, aces. yeah, pitcher pitchers are always scarce, no matter how many are on the market. <laughs> Everybody wants a great pitcher. Yeah. So now, thankfully, there is a decent middle tier of free agents out there. There's, you know, on the <laughs> pitching side, there's guys like Carlos Rodon, John Gray, Anthony Discofani, uh, even like a guy like Yusei Kikuchi or, or, you know, guys like that. But they, and then there's a bunch of guys on the trade market. So the Jays should still be able to improve. Well, I mean, I, I should say they should be able to improve off the current roster. Uh, but it might be very difficult to improve off the end of 2021 season roster. Because that was a very good team and they played like it. So yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think this, this market does much between now and December 1st, which I believe December 1st is the potential lockout date for the, the second technically would be the second. lockout date. It expires Sorry. on the first. Yeah. Um, you know, there are rumblings that it will. Um, obviously, guys like Verlander and Syndergaard signed. Eduardo Rodriguez signed with the... I can't remember who signed him. Tigers. Tigers, yep, that's the one. Wow, I remembered a free agent signing <laughs> without looking something up. I, do I have a fever? <laughs> <laughs> but two of those guys, you know, they were one-year deal qualifying offer guys coming off surgery. The other guys... In some other cases, it makes sense to wait. There have been rumblings that Corey Seager and Marcus Semien, this is according to Jeff Passan, that they might actually sign before. A, I, I don't know. I, I'd be surprised if any of the top, top free agents signed ahead of time, unless they were worried about some kind of reduction in the upper end of salaries or, or in a lowering of the luxury tax or something like that, they could affect their market. That's the only way I can see it happening. Yeah. I, I feel like they're willing to wait until whatever after is as well, because these are long-term deals. So even if something happens that, um, you know, spring training gets shortened or the, the following season is somehow, uh, you know, uh, prorated or, or, or whatever because of, of a labor strife, that's not really a big effect on a guy who's about to sign a five or six year deal. It's, it's peanuts compared to knowing, you know, what the market is actually going to be at that point. Yeah, so they're basically, if those guys do sign early, specifically the ones I just mentioned, Semin and Seeger, both Boras clients, that would actually tell me that there's a risk to those types of high-end contracts in the CBA tasks. Because Boras, one thing he's notorious for, is waiting. Yes, and waiting. And, es and, and especially waiting. in this market when, like I said, what, how many teams did I just list? Eight, nine teams looking for middle infielders? Yep. And... There's five of them. So, yeah, I mean, the, the smart play would be just to see who's left. 
Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so, were there other issues or another angle you wanted to, to talk about that from? Because I'm looking at the notes here. Well, I mean, not really. I mean, it's just sort of this idea. I mean, the Jays could walk out of here with Corey Seager or Robbie Ray or Max Scherzer or whoever. Like, I, I'm not trying to suggest in any way that they won't happen. It's just that there's a chance they won't. But thankfully, the trade market does seem to be flush because Oakland has decided to throw up the white flag. And apparently so has Cincinnati, which is shocking to me. This is, I mean, the Reds doing I get Oakland doing it a little bit. But the Reds doing it when they're actually competitive, uh, that's bad to me. And then the Marlins are apparently willing to talk about pitching for hitting, and the Jays can do things like that. So they absolutely could work the trade market and then get, get you know signed bats like Michael Conforto or Kyle Schwarber if they have to trade a Lourdes Gurriel. So the team could absolutely still be a really, really strong team next year, even if they miss out on all those free agents. And on that positive note, I think we should take a quick break and then come back with the questions. Sound fair? Sounds good to me. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back. I've uh, caught my breath. I've uh, wetted my whistle. And now I bow down to you, listeners, for your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? I think in a good artificial turf forest question, we should, uh, or uh, tradition, not question, we should have a question that is out of date uh, before we answer it. So Absolutely. Uh, Scotty Barnes Stan account at Split Letters, hi Luke, says, Verlander, yes or yes? Uh, from, I have it as five hours ago, and it was announced approximately two and a half hours ago that uh, Justin Verlander had signed with the Houston Astros. So, yeah. Nope. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sorry, Luke. Um, hey, yeah. Props to not deleting the tweet. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that, that sucked. Verlander would have been great. He would have really helped the team. He would have been, I mean, any, I mean, I, I think he's going to be awesome. And so, I'm actually shocked he went back to Houston, given all the stuff that apparently they didn't want him to ring out the first pitch because he wasn't around. And well, I guess a one-year, twenty-five million dollar with a twenty-five million dollar player option will overcome a lot of hurt feelings. Yeah, funny that. Uh, Brian Donley at Brian Donley eight asks: Anyone else on the Jays you see getting a material extension this winter? I think they're going to try. I think they're going to try with both. I almost said Vlad and Vo. <laughs> Vlad and Bo. I, I think it's the time. Um, Bo is a year away from arbitration, but Vlad is in it. And you want to lock these guys in because like these are the future of the team. And if you know you have them, you can really – like what everything we said about Barrios in the first bit, if you don't have those two guys forever, you can do all kinds of things. Well, yeah, and you're certainly assured of, of their talent levels at this point, right? Yeah, they're both superstars. What, what more can you ask for but to pay the people who uh, do the good things? Um, now, mind you, if you're a patron, you can check out our Extra Pellets episode on all of the other things that the uh, owners would rather do than, than pay the players for the things they do. Uh, that was my Patreon plug uh, for the day. Will at Will double underscore Brom asks, who are some realistic and wish casting 
infield starting pitcher trade targets you'd like to see the Jays get this offseason? I have no idea who's realistic. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to know who's actually available. Like we hear that Manaya and Bassett and uh, maybe Montas, those pitchers from Oakland are available, or Luis Castillo for the Reds, or all the Marlins guys, but we don't really know. I but, think I think that the difficulty in in that generally is when we talk about free agent signings, we talk about one player's preferences and the dollars they're looking for. So there's really only two factors there, right? But when you start talking about trades, no matter who you are as an outsider, you are so short on the necessary information. It really is just like trying to read tea leaves. Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of what I was trying to get at. I mean, you, you put it in a much more elegant way than I did, but we don't know. We have no idea who the teams want. Like we keep seeing things like, oh, the, you know, Miami is going to want Kirk because they don't have a catcher. And then Craig Mish, their Marlins supporters, like, yeah, they haven't talked about Kirk at all. And you know, it's like people look at rosters and say, oh, there's a fit here. There's a fit here. But they might not like the guy you've got. Yeah. Or you might not um, like the, the guy. You might know something about the guy that you don't like. Right. Sure. Um, that said, the Marlins are have a, are are an interesting thing, but I don't know if that the guys that the Jays would want are the guys that they're going to trade. So, Oakland is really the trade targets that you can look at, like because they have said they're open for business. Oakland and well, on the on the infield side, you've got Cleveland, you've got Jose Ramirez potentially being available, and Matt Chapman and Cattell Marte. Like they, they're stars, but like who knows if you can actually get them. Uh, yeah, anybody who plays third base would be great at this point. Let's <laughs> look around the league at your your favorite third baseman and assume he is a trade target. Jose Ramirez it is! <laughs> yes! Uh, all right. So, uh, Jarrett S. at JRod19 asks, I apologize if this has been addressed, but has a team ever had two MVP finalists and a Cy Young finalist, now, of course, today the winner, in the same season and not made the playoffs? Um, so... I'm going to just take issue. There's no such thing as an MVP finalist. <laughs> yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you want to talk about people with um, where where did Vlad and, and Semyon finish in MVP voting? Were they actually two, three? They haven't announced it yet. Oh, they haven't even announced it. So but they're going to be two and three. Yeah. So uh, have has a team ever had the two, three MVP finisher and the Cy Young winner? Has a team ever won 91 games and finished in fourth? No. <laughs> yeah. I, I So the the one team I was like, oh, I got to check these guys. I checked the Giants from 1993 because Very they had the MVP, which was Bonds. But they only had the MVP and a sixth place finisher. And then they had the second and fourth in the Cy Young. <laughs> so, I mean, kind of close. But again, that, that team not making the playoffs was kind of a weird anomaly that led to the playoff format change. So um, it doesn't happen very often. I did see an interesting, I know this is a sidebar, but I saw an interesting uh, tweet about the fact that um, that the combination of Semyon and Guerrero hit more home runs than like three or four big pairings. So more than Canseco and McGuire ever hit in a single season, more than Mays and McCovey, I think, ever hit in a single season. Oh, and I was trying to remember the other one. It's like all these epic pairings, and it's like Semyon and Vlad. I'm like, mind is blown. It's such a weird, 
a weird reality that our second baseman hit 45 home runs. Yeah, it's crazy. Just going back to the whole nomenclature thing, though, it's really weird. It's obviously like they're trying to drum up <clears throat> something, like some kind of support and PR, like a couple weeks before the awards are announced. It's like they treat it like it's the Oscars, right, where the nominees are announced and then people vote again. Yeah, the votes are in. <laughs> like, there's no, you're not a finalist. You lost if you didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, if you're not first, you're last. Um, Ricky Bobby. Not quite, but uh, yeah, because it's money's involved. But Vlad will finish second, Samuel finish third, and Ray won. Uh, yeah, and and again, uh, it'd be a really weird, a trivia question had Shohei Otani not showed up, because the question would be, has a team ever? <laughs> Ever had the Cy Young Award winner and the MVP and not made the playoffs? Wow. Yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. Let's not re reflect on the past. Uh, that concludes the questions portion of the show. Thank you once again, uh, everyone, for uh, chiming in and uh, getting us to try and read. As I said, the tea leaves and probably not being that successful. Josh, you had in mind a gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Yeah, it's a good segue with that last question about awards. So the Blue Jays have won a few awards. They've uh, Marcus Semien won a gold glove. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, Semien, and Vlad were silver sluggers. And even Charlie Montoyo came, I think, fourth or fifth in the Manager of the Year voting. And he got three first place votes, including, of course, Wilner. But... One of the, the gold star goes to the way the Jays have treated the big ones. Vlad won the Hank Aaron Award, which is given to the best hitter in the American League. Basically, the American League Cy Young Award for bats. And Robbie Ray won the Cy Young Award. And the Blue Jays put out these videos. They're just three and four second clips at a time of current players on the roster congratulating the winner. Um, the, the Ray one was kind of funny because Steven Matz also did it and he's also no longer on the team, but, oh, well, I mean, he's a teammate. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, and he was here, right? It, so it, it totally makes sense, but I just think it's really cool because it does give this sense of team and togetherness that fans can then sort of be a part of. It's like, oh, wow, these guys actually do care about each other. These guys are rooting for one another and it makes it easier to root for them. And I've never seen a team do this before. And I love it. I love everything the Jays have done this year to make the team feel more like a team, like the home run jacket and things like that. I think it, it is kind of interesting that in the offseason, obviously, there there is a limited opportunity, you know, to to reach out to a, a teammate who you might have seen like literally every day for seven months. Um, at the, you know, to actually, you know, get in touch with him, text him or whatever else and, and, and find him. I think it's kind of cool that you, the team is, you know, putting a, their foot forward and going, hey, if you want to congratulate your teammate, we'll sort of take care of that for you. We'll put it all in one place. I think that's the cool part. Yeah. It's kind of funny, though, because they probably filmed one for Vlad or Semyon <laughs> for the MVP, but they're not going to release it. <laughs> yeah. It's like the T-shirts that they they have ready to go for the uh, the, the league championship loser. Yeah, those videos are going to get sent off to to, to donate to some. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the alternate realities. All right, gold star to the Blue Jays. Uh, we'll put it up just on the level of excellence if you guys just uh, give us a ladder. Cool. <laughs> I 
think it's a fair deal. All right. Um, that, uh, you know, sort of wanders us in, believe it or not, to the end of a very direct podcast, a very economical podcast. So I would ask, do you have another thought, my friend? I do. Um, and yeah, it's it's a quick one because not a lot has happened yet. <laughs> you know, it's, we're, as soon as things start happening that are not just resigning their own guys and awards, we will record. We will and probably go in depth, maybe even do interviews about it. But for now, no. So my final thought, uh, Lotus Goriel. Not a free agent uh, as as late as we thought. For the longest time, the belief was that he had this contract that was going to run out in two seasons, but he wouldn't reach six years of service yet and therefore would have another year where he'd be in arbitration. Not the case. It turns out he's a free agent when the contract ends. So he and Teoscar will both be free agents at the end of the 2023 season. Yeah. Interesting bit of trivia. And it, it matters in the sense of a lot of times people talk about him as a trade piece when they're looking at trying to work out things because he's cheap and good. But yeah. if there's only two years, these teams that are rebuilding and selling you their stars probably not going to be as interested in Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Yeah, that, that extra year absolutely has value. MLB trending Carlos Correa on Twitter is my final thought is Twitter trending topic, topics don't mean anything anymore because uh, I'm pretty sure – that uh, most of the trending topics are like from a quote from Aaron Boone um, about that he didn't want Carlos Correa and that made him trend. He didn't say that, actually, but... He didn't even say it, but the New York Post quoted it. So... He specifically said that, like, all the stuff about Carlos Correa being a cheater and all that and how they beat the Yankees is like, yeah, that's water under the bridge. He's grown into a leader. <laughs> it was the exact opposite of that. Oh, um, I'm just, I'm ragging on Twitter who, who's, who's attempted additional features just drives me absolutely up the wall. So that's, that's my real rant. Just give, like me, the, give me the tweets I asked for in the order that they have appeared. I, I will sort out the rest. Thank you. And on that note, I would say that you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem and I have been Greg Wisniewski, believe it or not, still on Twitter at Coolhead2010 for reasons that I'm still not sure about. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 224, and we will talk at you just after news breaks. 